This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. And it is my pleasure to bring God's word to you. And this came, this message that I have today, um, this kind of started last week. I, I work, the company I work for, their main office is in uh, Detroit, Michigan. So I was there last week. And how many of you know that large companies have core values, certain values that they, right, that they want to promote, they want everybody to buy into? So every time we have a, a quarterly meeting, they, they reinforce these core values. So some of the core values of Sun Communities are as follows. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Live the golden rule. Do the right thing. We over me. Be yourself and thrive. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's right. I guess that's true, isn't it? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And then finally, mindset is everything. And would you not agree that our mindset is so important? Is it not? Mindset is everything. Our thoughts are powerful. Are they not? What we think about, what we dwell on, the object of our thoughts, in fact, does it not shape our lives? Where we go, what we do, the decisions we make. And equally important to our thoughts is, how many of you know, is our attitude, right? We can have good thoughts but have the wrong attitude, right? So a combination of thoughts and attitude makes up our mindset. But how many of you would say, would confess, that you, there's been times in your life where you've had the wrong mindset? You've had a negative mindset. Oh, gloom and despair, agony on me, right? Woe is me. But having a mindset, having the right mindset is everything. So the question is, how do we get the right mindset. How do we find the right mindset according to God's word? What does God's word say about having the right mindset? So the first thing I want to mention is the most important thing is, one of the most important things in getting the right mindset is replacing our stinking thinking. How many of you ever heard that phrase, stinking thinking, right? Replacing our stinking thinking with right thinking, right? So if we want the, our right mindset, we need to our replace our stinking thinking. Look with me in Philippians 4 and verse 4. It says this. It says always, and how many percentage points Pastor Ron is always? A hundred percent, not 50, not 75. A hundred percent, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. But have you ever had somebody try to encourage you from God's word? Maybe it was even this verse. And you were going through a really tough time. And you're about to lose your temper. And they just said, brother, you just got to rejoice in the Lord always. Has that ever happened to anybody beside me? And how did you feel? 
Like, you know what you can do with that? Rejoice in the Lord. And, and because they weren't going through the same thing you're going through, right? Everything's fine. Everything's honky-dory. Yeah, rejoice in the Lord. But do you know who wrote this? This is the letter to the Philippian church, the church in Philippi. Who wrote it? What was his name? Paul. Paul. And where did he write it from? Prison. prison. Have any of you ever been in prison? No. <laughs> not yet? Somebody said not yet? <laughs> okay. But do you think Paul had the authority to say, rejoice in the Lord? It wasn't an empty or a vain encouragement. It wasn't insincere. Because he had truly been through the worst of the worst, had he not? So he had the authority. He had the right to say, always be full of joy in the Lord. And in case you didn't get it the first time, again I say, rejoice. Verse 5, it says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So let everyone see. Live transparently. Let everyone see. It says that you are considerate in all you do. And what does that word considerate mean? It means gentle, humble, gracious. And specifically, you know what it means? Not allowing someone's imperfections to ruin your relationship with them. Realizing that we all have faults and failures, right? And we're willing to overlook those things. Because in the grand scheme of things, especially amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, that's, those are small potatoes, are they not? So it says be considerate. Be humble. Be gracious. Be gentle in all you do. Remember, because remember, the Lord is coming soon. How many of you remember the Lord is coming soon? And he's coming sooner today than he was yesterday, right? And we don't know. It could be before the end of the service, could it not? Right? The imminent return. The Lord is coming back. Amen? Let that motivate us to be considerate in all we do. To be gentle, to be patient, to be humble, to be gracious. Verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Amen? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It says, don't worry. But how many of you are tempted to worry and have been tempted to worry? And as I was sharing this scripture, my wife was sharing, me that, was sharing with me that she had read an article and it defined worry as the misuse of imagination. Think about that. Worry is the misuse of imagination. Because we all have imaginations, right? And when we think about things that are outside of our control, what could happen? We're tempted to worry and not pray, right? But instead of worrying, it says, instead pray about everything. And how many percentage points is that, Kevin? 100%, right? 100%. Tell God what you need. It's okay. How many of you know it's okay to tell God what we need? 
Oh God, I need wisdom. Oh God, I need a financial blessing right now. I know you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. God, I need wisdom. You said that if I lack wisdom, you will give it to me. And you won't shame me for asking. But you'll give it liberally. You'll give it abundantly to me when I need it. Oh God, I pray. You said, tell, tell God what you need. Lord, I'm telling you that what I need is my teenage son to be saved. I need my teenage daughter to be saved. I need my adult daughter, my adult son, my adult mom, my adult dad, my family member. I need them to be saved because, Lord, you said you don't want, you're not willing that any should perish, right? But that all should come to repentance. So, Lord, I'm telling you what I need. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. We need to have an attitude of gratitude, don't we? Amen? In all of our prayers, always have an attitude of gratitude because think of all that God has done for you. Amen? Verse 7. It says, then, everybody say it with me, then, and only after then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It says then. There's a sequence of events here. It says don't worry. Rejoice always first. Right? Be considerate in all you do. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Then. It says then. After these things. Everybody says I want to know peace. I want to, God I need peace. I need peace. But we haven't done the prerequisites to get the peace. Right? We haven't. Let's be honest. We're more tempted to worry about something than we are to pray, are we not? So it takes discipline. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, God's peace, will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that means that's like a protection. That's like a guardian over our heart and our mind. You will have this protection over our hearts and our minds. And then the condition also is, as we live in Christ Jesus, as we live in harmony, as we live in union with Christ. Amen? And how do we do that? How do we live in harmony? How do we live as we live in Christ Jesus? How do we do that? By maintaining communication, right? Back and forth, prayer, studying his word, spending time with him. How do you, know, how do you get to know anybody? Let's be honest. You may know people. You may have acquaintances. And you've said, I, well, I know that I know of that person, but I don't really know that person because I've never what? Spent time with that person. So how many of you know we need to spend time with God? We need to cut out time in our busy schedules, do we not? To get to know God. Because that's when it says, His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. To know the mind of Christ, we have to spend time with Him. And verse 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And that little word between all of those conditions is what? And, right? Doesn't say or. 
So the things we think about have to pass through the filter of all of these conditions. Whatever is true, whatever is found in God's word, whatever is honorable, honorable, worthy of respect, awe and admiration, whatever is right, thinking in harmony with God's divine standard, whatever is pure, and that means whatever is morally clean, whatever is lovely means pleasing, kind, or gracious. Whatever is admirable, kindness, courtesy, and respect for others. Whatever is excellent, this is virtue, moral excellence, modesty, purity. Whatever is worthy of praise is anything commendable. It says, think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. But if we're scrolling through social media all day long, how many of you know some of the things we look at on social media don't fit these conditions? Would you agree? So if you're looking for peace, trying to find it in Facebook, guess what? It's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. It takes spiritual discipline. But there's one thing that meets all of these conditions. You know what it is? That's one thing that I can know. There's more than one thing. There's one thing that I can think of that meets all of these conditions. What is it? The word of God. Amen? God's word. That's what we need to think on. We need to think on. We need to replace our stinking thinking with right thinking. Amen? If we're going to have the right mindset, because mindset is everything. Look with me at verse 9. We're in Philippians 4, verse 9. It says this. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Another promise of God's peace. But there's that word again. Then the apostle says, keep putting into practice. Keep applying to your life what I've just said here. Rejoice always. Be considerate. Always be considerate. Right? Don't worry. Pray about everything. Think about these things. Then put it into practice. Then guess what? You experience peace. So how many of you would say, I want the peace of God. I want to experience the peace of God. Here's the recipe. Rejoice. Be considerate. Don't worry. Pray. Think about these things then you will experience God's peace. Amen? But there's a rest. It's right here. But so many of us want to take a shortcut to peace, don't we? Oh, God, I need peace. But we haven't done what's required to have that peace. Amen? Then the God of peace will be with you. Then, after we've done those things, keep putting into practice. It's a perpetual action. It's continuous. This is why. How many of you have a daily devotional time? Raise your hand. About half right now, I'd say. How many of you would say you want peace? Okay, the other half that didn't raise their hands the first time? That's where to start. Right? Daily devotions, right? How many of you listen to God? How many of you have the Bible app on your, on your phone? How many of you would say that? How many of you use it on a regular basis? I, I talked with someone last night after the service. She's troubled. And I said, do me a favor. Download the Bible app on your phone. Okay. And when you go to bed at night, when you're troubled, listen to the Psalms. Listen to the Psalms. Right? 
my wife and I prayed for. Didn't we not say that? Listen to the Psalms. Trust me, it makes a difference. What we fill our mind with. We want to have God's peace. We long to have God's peace, but we need to do what's required to get there. Amen? By Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep, God, that's God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What does it mean to fix our thoughts? How do we fix our thoughts? Focus, right? Focus. And that takes discipline, does it not? But how many of you know we have an enemy? The enemy of our soul. And how does he work in our lives? Tries to get us distracted at what? Looking at the what? Circumstances, right? How many of you know the story? The disciples were in the boat, right? Storm came up. Jesus was walking to them on the water. And who did he ask to come out and join him? Who did he ask? Actually, Peter said, Lord, I want to come out and meet you, right? So as he came out, he, Peter was walking on the water, was he not? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, right? But then it says he looked around. He saw, he saw the storm and the waves and the wind. And what happened? He started to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Lord did. When he looked at the circumstances, he lost his focus. Amen? So it takes spiritual discipline. If we're going to experience, it says you will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's complete wholeness. No worry. No anxiety. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And that's defined as all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So is it not true that the right mindset is really, really important? Would you agree with that? Having the right mindset begins with replacing our stinking thinking with right thinking. Amen? So another reason, another way of how, how we can get our, the right mindset is this. By renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. Look with me in Romans 12. It says this in verse 1. It's so, it, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I plead with you. I beseech you. I beg of you. I compel you to give your bodies to God. How many of you know when we come to Christ, we surrender, we give him. So often we talk about giving him our heart, right? Our will, surrendering our will to his. Amen? And that involves surrendering our body up to him in, in loving service. Amen? It says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Because of all he has done for you. Think about all that he has done for you. How many of you watched that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Remember, The Passion. We talk about this. What Jesus went through, the, the agony, the horrific conditions that he had to endure. And he says, but... He had you in mind when he was on that cross. And he had me in mind. It says, but for the joy that was set before him. That's you and me, folks. But for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. 
He was willing to do it because of you and me. And it says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, God accepted dead sacrifices. Did he not? Animals that were brought and blood was shed because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But now there's a new covenant. We talked about it when we took communion. There's this new covenant. Jesus is alive. And now we can experience that new life because Jesus is alive. And the apostle tells us, compels us, pleads with us to give our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What we do is is surrendered up to God in service because we love God. And a a holy sacrifice. This means devoted completely um, to God's service. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Yes, we worship God. Thank God for the worship team. And we lift up our voices and we, we lift up our hands and we worship him. But this is truly the way to worship him. By giving up our lives, amen? By giving our lives to him. And our bodies to him. And verse 2 says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And if you want a snapshot of that, drive through Waterbury during rush hour. (laughs) Or Hartford. Or Boston, New York City, wherever you can think of. And nowadays, I, I don't know, I've been driving over 40 years, and it seems like, it seems like conditions are worse out there. It seems like they're driving faster. And I, are you not amazed that there's not more accidents sometimes? But it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And, and The behavior, think about what's the behavior of the world? What's the custom of this world, right? Me first. Dog eat dog, right? Look out for number one, right? I'm the most important thing. It says don't copy the behavior and customs of of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. It says let It says, allow, permit, without restrictions. That's what it means to let. And ultimately, it means we surrender our will. It it comes down to our will, does it not? Is Is it my will be done or is it thy will be done, right? Thy will be done, the Lord's Prayer. It's okay to pray that prayer on a regular basis. As long as you know what it means and you're willing to give up, it's thy will be done, not my will be done. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. How do we let God transform us? How do we do that? That word means metamorphosis, complete change. It's an outward manifestation of an inward change. And it says we we do this by changing the way we think. And this is the renewing of our minds. This transformation occurs as the Holy Spirit changes our thinking through regular study and meditation of God's word. Amen? Renewing our minds. Beginning again. Rebuilding our thoughts. 
So now we're starting to think God thoughts. Then, and it says, after we've done that, it says, then, this is another promise. But it's only after we've done those things, not copying the behavior and customs of this world, letting God transform us by changing the way we think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Because knowing God's will is really knowing how God thinks. And we begin to think like God when we let the Holy Spirit transform our minds. Amen? Renew our minds. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And don't you want to know God's will? Don't you want to be in the center of God's will? Amen? Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look with me in Ephesians 4 and verse 22. It says this. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Just like those old dirty clothes that you have, right? You're fixing your car. You got grease on everything. Your wife's mad at you again for ruining another shirt. But you throw it off. You throw it off. Strip away. It's an active, deliberate action. We throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life. This is repentance. This is really repentance. Recognizing that our old former way of life is the reason that Jesus went to that cross and shed his blood. And when when that gets a hold of you, when that truth gets a hold of you, the last thing you want to do is go back to that old way of life. Amen? It's the last thing we want to do. Throw it off. Throw off the old sinful nature in your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, instead of that, let the spirit renew. Everybody say renew. Renew. Your thoughts and attitudes. When we're saved, God transforms us by renewing our thoughts and attitudes. Amen? Letting the spirit, this is all about surrender. Now I'm going to try, I'm going to attempt to sing a song. Is that okay? You can, you can cover your ears because I can't sing. But does anybody remember that song? I surrender all. Remember that? Can we sing it together? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. You remember that? And I remember being in a service, and the pastor, after that song, he said, do you mean it? (laughs) Do you mean it? Do you really mean it? Do you surrender all? Do you surrender? Do you give up your will? Do you make Jesus Lord of your life? Instead, let the the Spirit surrender to the Spirit's control. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature. This is an active transformation of the old self to the new self. And salvation includes death and burial of the old self and resurrection of the new person. Amen? 
And this, this object lesson, a great object lesson is water baptism, is it not? Right? When we're baptized, we go under the water. We're acting out the death and burial of our old person, right? And then when we come up out of the water, we come up a new person, just like Jesus rose from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. That's right. We're created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ. Everybody say, anyone who belongs to Christ. Has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Amen? We are new creatures. This is what Jesus meant when he said, you must be, not it's an option, but you must be born again, right? Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Because when we're born again, we become a new person. We have a new nature. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Amen? Look with me in Romans 8, verse 5. It says this. It says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Holy Spirit or the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of you want to be dominated by the sinful nature? What would you rather have? Controlled by the sinful nature or controlled by the Spirit? As believers, we can be controlled by the Spirit. And don't you want to know that the Spirit, have the Spirit control your life. Amen? It says, when this Holy Spirit, excuse me, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Talking about our thoughts. Talking about what we think about. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Don't you want life and peace? Yes. Right? We have to let, we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit's control. We have to get our mind on the things that God says to keep our mind on. Amen? And it all comes down to ultimately, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to surrendering our will. It's a matter of the will. Is it my will be done? It's thy will be done. Even Jesus prayed that to the Father. Remember that. Jesus said, thy will be done. So we've got two ways to get the right mindset. By replacing our stinking thinking, right? And by renewing our mind. Here's a third way to get the right mindset. By rejoicing in the Lord always. Amen? Look with me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Did everybody get their memory verse when they walked in? 
Who didn't get their memory verse? John, could you help me? Daniel, would you help John, please? Handing out the memory verse. I'm, I did this in the first two services. I had them handed out with the communion, but I forgot to do it on the third service. So, um, But this is our memory verse. And while that's being distributed, I want to share a story with you about rejoicing in the Lord. How many of you remember Bob Erickson? Bob Erickson came to this church for many years. Good friend of mine. He's uh, living in South Carolina now, and he posted something on Facebook that really got my attention. And it was of a Bible teacher from the, from the United States that went over to China to, hold, to have a three-day Bible conference. And uh, during the Bible conference, right at the beginning, uh, there, was, there was 22, it was in the Hunan province of China. I don't know where that is, but that's where it was. And there was 22 students in his class. And uh, he said, the first thing he said is, what will happen if we get caught? How many of you know it's illegal to meet in an evangel to, to study God's word, to study the Bible in China? Did you know that? He said, what will happen? He's asking his 22 class uh, people, students in the class, what will happen if we're caught? Somebody says, we will go to prison and you will get deported. And then he said, well, how many of you have been to prison for your faith? 18 students raised their hand out of the 22. 18 out of the 22. And in order to get to this conference, some of the students had to travel on a train for 13 hours. And this, it's not like a one or two hour session and then you go home and have lunch. They are taught from eight in the morning till five at night for three days, nine hours a day for three days. And the place where they were was it was a, it was a concealed building. There were no chairs. They were sitting on a wooden floor for nine hours a day to listen to God's word being taught, right? So it came to the point where he wanted to hand out Bibles. And he had 15 Bibles, and there was 22 students. So not everybody was going to get a Bible. So as he said, you know, turn to Philippians chapter 4, he saw one of the students give his Bible, or her, excuse me, her Bible, to another student, to him. And then he asked that student, well, how is it that you, don't, you can share with me? And she says, no, that's okay. I've memorized Philippians 4. And I've memorized, that's many, many chapters that I've memorized. Chapters. Okay? Not, not verses. Chapters. So after three days, um, it's over. And he, he said, you, you know, you, fall, you can't help but fall in love with these people. And, and he said, um, I want to pray for you. How can I pray for you? And they said, well, we want you to pray that, that we would be like the church in America because the church in America can meet and they, they have no fear of going to prison. They can meet whenever they want. They're, they're at complete liberty. We want you to pray that the church in China would be like the church in America. And the Bible teacher says, I'm not praying that prayer. He said, I'm not praying that. He says, 
you came 13 hours on a train to be here and sat on a floor, a cold wooden floor, for nine hours a day. In America, if we don't have padded pews and air condition, they don't come. If they have to travel more than 15, 20 minutes, they don't come. I'm not praying that, uh, <laughs> that China becomes like America. I'm praying that America becomes like China, the church in China. And he said, and they, not one of them complained. Not one of them complained about that situation. They had learned the secret of having the right mindset. They didn't complain. They didn't bellyache. They didn't say, woe is me because of our conditions. They rejoiced in the Lord. So I want us to memorize this verse. Can we all, do we all have it now? Let's read it together. Let's start on three. One, two, three. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And I, re I memorize this as, uh, in another version. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Right? But I want you to know that that story in China, the way they memorized God's word was when they were in prison because they had a lot of time on their hand. And this is what they said. If, if the paper that, it, that the scripture is on is found, it's confiscated. And, they're, and they're, they have to suffer punishment. So they said, you have to memorize it very quickly because we, we know that they may take that piece of paper away, but they can't take away what's been written on my heart. And they can't take away what's been written on your heart and my heart. Amen? Why it's so important to memorize God's word. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Amen? Look with me in verse 10 in that same chapter. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret. Everybody say secret. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And this is the secret. Verse 13. Let's read it together. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that wasn't an insincere statement by the, by the apostle. He had lived that. Amen. So we, many of us have, have memorized that and we say it whenever we're going through something. But he really, he really experienced that. He really experienced that I can go through anything. I can endure anything through Christ who gives me strength. This is having the right mindset, is it not? Whether I'm, I have a full stomach or an empty, whether I have a lot or little, I've learned the secret to be content is the fact that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He knew he belonged to God. And God was all he needed. Amen? 
God was all he needed. Look with me in Acts chapter 16. In verse 16, it says this. It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Now, this is the Apostle Paul again. And he's on a missionary journey with Silas. And this happens to be in Philippi. Okay? It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. And how many of you know there may be people, individuals that can do this even today, right? Listen to what it says. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Now, when I first read this, I said, Paul, that's free publicity for you. What are you complaining about? That's free publicity. She's telling the demon within her is saying, these men are telling you the way to be saved. But as I researched this, the reason why he was exasperated was because the demon within her was taking the attention off of Jesus and on Paul and Silas. And she was distracting those who heard by trying to get them to focus their attention on Paul and Silas, which were just the messengers of the message. They weren't the object of the message, which was Jesus himself. Amen? And the reason he was exasperated, I'm sure, was because he was sick and tired of this demon having control of this young slave girl and wanted her to be delivered. But look with me in verse 19. It says this, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace and setting the girl free, the master's hope of gain, material gain, was lost. And how, what was their reaction? They were mad. They were angry. They could, couldn't care less about the condition of the slave girl and being in demonic possession. They couldn't care less about that. All they cared about was the financial gain that now was taken away from them. And how many of you know that the love of money is what? The root of all kinds of evil. They grabbed Paul and Silas in their anger and dragged them before the authorities in marketplace, and marketplace at the marketplace. Verse 20, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. And how many of you know there was anti-Semitism even back then? Because they were Jews. They were singled out. They shouted to the city officials. Verse 21, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Yes, promotion of a foreign religion was not allowed in Philippi, which was under Roman control. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods 
And this was illegal because they hadn't been convicted of a crime. So this was an unfair and unjust punishment. Verse 23, they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Do you know what the inner dungeon was? That was a place of utter and absolute filth. The lowest part of the prison. And all the waste, the human waste, flowed downhill into that place. Now, I've been in property management for over 30 years. I've seen some pretty nasty conditions, okay? A house with 37 cats in it. A shed with 100 guinea pigs in it. <laughs> you know, a pit, a well pit with 100 snakes in it. <laughs> Raccoons and all kinds of critters under homes. And I've had to, I've seen that. But nothing can compare to the depth, the horrific condition of that inner prison. Nothing could compare to it, I promise you. It says, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And I did some research on that. That was so that their, their feet were spread, their legs were spread apart as far as possible. And I'm sure because of the beating, they had suffered broken bones, cuts and scars. There was no nurse or doctor or ibuprofen to call on or to help them. It was miserable. It was awful. And on top of that, they did it for doing the right thing. And they were unjustly beaten without, without being convicted of a crime. They had everything to complain about. They had every right to complain. But what did they do? Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Are you kidding me? And the other prisoners were listening. You bet they were listening. You bet they were listening. They were singing, praying, and singing hymns to God. That's having the right mindset, folks. That's having the right mindset because mindset is everything. Amen? They had the right mindset. Verse 26, and then God showed up. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. He reacted. He knew that the law was, as a guard, as a prison guard, if the prisoners escaped, you would suffer the same consequences as the prisoner. And that was death, and a, a very cruel death, I might add. So in order just to get it over with, 
He said he knew that was his certain punishment. I'll do it myself. But Paul said, don't. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. Even in Paul's moment of utter discomfort, even ultimate discomfort, he was able to comfort that prison guard. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? He didn't ask, could you go over the salvation story again? Could you tell me a little bit more about how to be saved? He said, what must I do to be saved? And that is the first step in any one of us being saved, is recognizing our need. Not counting on ourselves, not counting on our good works, but recognizing I have a need. I am poor spiritually. Lord, save me in recognizing that Jesus is the answer. He is the only Savior. Amen? <clears throat> he said, what must I do to be saved? In that moment, he was convicted of a sin. And the apostle says, and Paul says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Believe in Place your faith in Jesus. Put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. He was the Savior. Amen? He was the only Savior that God sent. Call on his name to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Not by works so that no one can boast. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. It was prophetic because look what happens. Verse 32. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. They took the time to feed these new believers, brand new believers, the word of God. And how many of you know, man shall not be, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. They took the time to encourage these new believers. Verse 33, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Yeah, their wounds need to be washed. Yeah, guess what they were filled with? Let's not go there, right? Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Yes, believe and be baptized. But the real importance is believing, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. 34, verse 34, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Paul and Silas had the right mindset, did they not? They, had, they were thinking like God thinks. They could have looked at their circumstances, right? I'm in this utter place of utter filth, disgusting, vermin, rats, insects, human waste. This is terrible. And I, I'm doing this, God, because I served you. They could have been saying that, but they didn't. They prayed and sang hymns to God. They were rejoicing in the Lord always. So when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always... He's, he's got authority. 
That means something, doesn't it? They rejoiced in the Lord. They had the right mindset, not looking at the circumstances, but to him who is control above the circumstances, to see everything through God's plan for their lives. And just recently, I had an opportunity. I was camping with my sons in New Hampshire. And we were up in northern New Hampshire in this place called Dixville Notch. And there's a, there's a you climb up. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you climb up to a place called Table Rock. And it's really incredible. It's, it's 771 feet above the road, the road elevation. But when you're up there, you can see down and you see, you know, the, uh, the east, the road going to the east that way and going to the west. And you see both sides. And I thought, you know, that's how God sees our life, right? He's got a bird's eye view. He sees the beginning from the end. And having the right mindset, we start seeing things through God's perspective. Amen? And because of that, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And I, there's a song that goes with this. And I want us to sing this. Can we sing together? Can you help me sing? Because you know I can't sing, right? You know that. Let's sing this together. Is it up there? All right. It starts like this. My wife's going to help me. She can sing. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. All right, now this is what we're going to do. Everybody, all the men, raise your hand. Okay? You're going to sing the first line. The women are going to sing the second line. And then we're going to sing the last two lines together. Can we do that? So all the men together, let's start it. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Now the ladies. And all together. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Pretty easy to remember, right? Well, that's, the, that's Philippians. You memorized your verse already. That's your verse in another version, but it's, it's Philippians 4.4. 4. Isn't it amazing how when we put things to, to, uh, to, song, to, to a song, it's easier to remember, right? But I hope, you, I hope you can learn, and I hope you've received this important, important aspect of, of living, being successful, I'm doing what God wants us to do. That mindset is everything. And the right mindset makes all the difference, does it not? It involves replacing our stinking thinking with right thinking. It involves renewing our mind. And it involves rejoicing in the Lord always. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, thank you for sharing your word today. And we recognize that mindset, our mindset, is everything. Having the right mindset is so important to living in obedience to your word. When we see what Paul and Silas went through and how they reacted, and when they were obedient to your word, Lord, you showed up in a mighty and powerful way. Help us today. I confess, Lord, many times 
I have not had the right mindset. But I, I, from this day forward, God, help me, help my mindset to be shaped by your word, amen? Help me, Lord, to have the right mindset, no matter what we're going through, no matter what I'm experiencing, to remember all that you've done for us so that we can rejoice in the Lord always. And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to renew, pray a prayer, renew your faith with me. But at the same time, I want to invite anyone here that has not accepted Jesus Christ. You can't say beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're saved and on your way to heaven. You're not sure about that. If you're here this morning and you want to be saved, it's as simple as what the jailer cried out. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So we're going to pray that prayer. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that you love me because you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for me on the cross. He shed his blood to wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive forevermore. I invite Jesus into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live for you each day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.